Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, church family. I'm so glad that you've joined us today on Pentecost Sunday for this live-streamed 11 a.m. service. And a shout-out welcome to our many guests from here in the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even from around the world. Well, we're in an eight-part sermon series that we're calling Clarify. And we're trying to move from the place of confusion to clarity on some tough, difficult, challenging topics. Well, today being Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk to you for a few moments about what the Bible has to say about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn today what it means, how it can help you, and how you can receive it. And so today, for a few moments, I want to give you 10 things about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So pull out your sermon notes. They are on the church website. Get your Bible out. And let me give you these 10 points about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want to share with you, number one, is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is part of the initiation into our Christian life. There's three parts. First of all, salvation. Obviously, that's the entry point into our Christian journey. Then there's water baptism. But there's also baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you're watching today, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity before this service comes to a close to receive Jesus into your life. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. The way to get to heaven is through salvation. But as I read the book of Acts... Almost immediately afterwards, very shortly after they got saved, they were baptized in water. Do you need to be baptized in water to go to heaven? No, but you should be baptized in water as a public declaration of your new faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water. Jesus himself was baptized in water. So I don't know about you, but I want to follow his command, and I want to follow his example. So if you've accepted Jesus in your life, take the next step. Go online, sign up for our water baptismal class. We want to get you baptized in water. But in the early church, they got saved. They were baptized in water, but also baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was all a part of their early Christian life journey. It's a crisis experience. It's a needed experience, and we're going to learn about that today. So number one, the baptism in the Spirit is part of our initiation into our Christian life. But then there's number two. The focus of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is really twofold. First of all, I want to talk to you about for us. What's the purpose for us? We're going to learn today that it it deepens our worship of the Lord through a, a prayer language, prayer and praise which we've not learned. It's called in the Bible, speaking in other tongues. The Greek word is glossolalia. And glossolalia means an unlearned language. Usually it's a heavenly language. And so when you pray in the Spirit, it's really the Spirit praying through you. Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of the Father. I've got to be honest with you, in this COVID season, And in these difficult days, it's sometimes really hard to know how to pray. I actually find myself more often than not praying in the Spirit. I'm driving in my car. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm here early this Sunday morning. I'm at my desk, and I'm praying in the Spirit. And when I don't know how to pray, and I don't know the will of the Father, I begin to allow Holy Spirit to intercede through me. 
So church, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get a new prayer language and Holy Spirit begins to intercede through you. That's for us. But then number two, for others. That's the second purpose. That's the second focus for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We receive this power. Everybody say the word power. One, two, three. Power in our Christian witness. Holy Spirit comes on us and empowers us in our Christian witness. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers you. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit took residence in your life. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes precedence in your life. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It actually is the Holy Spirit getting more of you. So there's a twofold purpose for us, a prayer life, a Holy Spirit, Spirit-enabled prayer life, or Holy Spirit prays through us. Oh, we need that. But then for others, spirit-enabled speech, where the Holy Spirit comes on you and guides your words so that you and I can be a greater witness for the Lord. Let me take you to number three, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues as it relates to the baptism in the Spirit as recorded in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. We're going to look at those scriptures in a few moments. There's three things about speaking in tongues as it relates to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's the initial evidence. It's the sign, the sign. How do you know that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? The sign is speaking in other tongues. It's the initial evidence. But then there's number two. It's not just the initial evidence. It's the physical evidence. There's something seen. There's something heard. It's, it's, it's God chose the tongue and, and, and spirit enables us to speak in this heavenly language. It's an initial evidence. It's the sign. And then it's the physical evidence. You, you know, you're baptized in the spirit. There's got to be a validation. There's got to be a tangible validation that you've been baptized in the Holy spirit. So it's the initial evidence and it's the physical evidence. But then there's number three. It's not the only evidence, right? Speaking in tongues is the sign. It's the initial evidence, but there's other things that we're going to learn today that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit happens in you and through you. It's the initial evidence and it's the physical evidence. But then there's number four. Watch this. Without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're actually incomplete and unprepared for Christian ministry and service. Remember, in our Christian life, it starts with salvation. There's water baptism, and there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. When I read the book of Acts, the disciples did not begin reaching the lost until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many people say to me, the last words of Jesus is, go and make disciples. That's not true. It's not true. The last words of Jesus is not go. The last word of Jesus is stay. Remain in Jerusalem until you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, church, watch this. You're incomplete. You're not prepared. You're not adequately prepared. How many of you want to be prepared and ready, fully ready, fully prepared for God to use you? Let me take you to Luke chapter 24, verse 45, down to verse 49. Jesus 
is shown up to his disciples, one of his resurrection appearances. And it says in verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He opened their minds so they could, they could get it. They could understand it. Look at verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from, death, from the dead on the third day. Jesus quotes the scripture about himself dying for our sins and being raised to life. Verse 47, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. We learned early in this series what repentance is. Repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that results in a change of action. And Jesus said right here that you're going to preach the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. It's going to be preached to all nations starting in Jerusalem. And in verse 48, you're going to be witnesses of these things. But watch verse 49 before the disciples go and preach this forgiveness of sins before his disciples become his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and Judea and to the ends of the world. He said, verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay, remain in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus' last word wasn't go. It's actually was stay. Before you go, before you do ministry, Jesus said, you've got to stay. You've got to remain in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. And he's talking about the gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, Holy Spirit indwells you. But when you get baptized, the Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit who's in you is now the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. And he's talking about something that the prophet Joel had prophesied about. That John the Baptist had preached about. And his father had promised. And he said, stay in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. I love the analogy of the baptism of the Holy Spirit being clothed with power from on high. Obviously, I'm wearing clothes. I'm wearing a shirt, wearing pants, wearing shoes. What does clothes do? It covers you. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit covers you. In fact, the Greek word for baptism is baptizo, which means to be fully immersed. Not just immersed, saturated outwardly and inwardly. And so, so the analogy clothed, it means that you're covered with the Holy Spirit, but not just covered. Number two, protects you. Clothes protect you. On a cold winter day, I put on my heavy coat. On a rainy day, I, I will put on something that will protect me from the rain. On a real cold day, I'll put gloves on because clothes don't just cover you. They protect you. Now, friends, watch this. In this difficult COVID season, and it's hard, how many people know we need the protection of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit covers you and Holy Spirit protects you. But there's one more thing. Not only does Holy Spirit cover you when you're baptized, not only does Holy Spirit protect you when you're baptized, Holy Spirit empowers you. Because Jesus said to the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Power from heaven. Everybody say the word power. One, two, three. Power. And it comes from the Greek word dunamis which we get the word dynamite. And so what does clothing mean? It covers you. Holy Spirit covers you when you're baptized. Holy Spirit protects you when you're baptized. And Holy Spirit empowers you. 
When you got saved, Holy Spirit indwells you. And you've got many wonderful connections with Holy Spirit. The Spirit who's in you leads you, directs you, guides you, teaches you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is another amazing encounter of the empowering work of the Spirit. And when I read the book of Acts, they were saved, they were baptized in water, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit before the disciples began their Christian ministry. They experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in church. Before we can really reach this city and reach this nation and reach this world, we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to number five. Number five. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit who is in you, right? Holy Spirit indwells you. Now is the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. I want to show you a few verses. John chapter 20, verse 22. We're going to learn when the disciples experienced the Holy Spirit in them. And then I'm going to read you some scriptures where they experienced the Holy Spirit upon them. In John chapter 20, it's one of Jesus' resurrection appearances. He shows up to the disciples. Look at verse 22 of John 20. It says, and with that, he breathed on them, or actually he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I, I believe that's the moment that the disciples experience the Holy Spirit in them. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you, right? When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 8, let me read this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, his disciples, he gave them his command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, right? Because remember, the last words of Jesus aren't go. The last word of Jesus is stay and wait. And so he tells them to stay and wait for the gift that the father promised. Look at verse 5. John baptized with water, but then Jesus said in a few days, you're going to be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be clothed with this power from on high that will cover you and protect you and empower you. Look at verse 6. They gathered around him. Picture the disciples gathering around Jesus, and they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them in verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. The disciples want to talk about end times. And sometimes we just want to talk about end times. Are these the last days? Is Jesus coming back in 2021? But then Jesus brings them back to the heart of it in verse 8. He said, you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. See, in John chapter 20, the Holy Spirit came in them. But now when they're in that upper room waiting for 10 days, he said, you're going to receive when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Let's look at the Samaritan revival. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 18. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. All these people in Samaria had accepted the word. And when it says accepted the word of God, it means they became believers. So they sent Peter and John to Samaria, verse 15. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. The Holy Spirit was in them. They were saved. Now he's praying that they would experience the Holy Spirit on them, that empowering baptism work. Verse 17, Peter and John, I love this, 
placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostle's hands, he offered the money. Why did he offer the money? Because he saw something. And I believe what he saw and what he heard was these new believers in Samaria speaking in tongues. Why? Because we've learned speaking in tongues is the sign. It's the initial physical evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's come to Acts chapter 10, 44 to 46. It's now the Gentile believers. And it's in a house where Cornelius lived. And Peter is preaching. Watch this. Verse 44, Acts 10. Well, Peter was still speaking these words. He's preaching. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Holy Spirit comes on them. Verse 45, the circumcised believers, the Jewish people who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. How did they know that these Gentile believers in Cornelius' house had been clothed with the power from on high and now experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit? How did they know? They heard them speaking in tongues. One more scripture. Acts 19, 1 to 7. Paul goes to Ephesus. Watch this, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. He found some believers. He found some new converts in Ephesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? It actually better reads, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? What is Paul talking about? Have you, new believers in Ephesus, had the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Have you been clothed with that power from on high? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know about the teaching and the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them in verse 3, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, verse 4. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe. And the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They're now baptized in water. These new believers in Ephesus, in their Christian journey, are now baptized in water. Look at verse 6. Paul places his hands on them. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. Watch this. The Holy Spirit, who's already in them, now comes on them. And they spoke in tongues. And they prophesied. And there's about 12 of them in all. You see, friends, there's a pattern of this baptism in the Holy Spirit experience in the book of Acts. But then there's number six. Watch this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit removes things in our lives which don't belong there, making room for the fullness and the power of God actually removes things that should not be there, making more room for the fullness of the power of God. Because the Greek word for baptized, baptizo, means to be fully immersed and saturated inwardly and outwardly. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's actually Holy Spirit getting more of you. Now watch this. In Acts 2, 1 to 2, the 120 believers were waiting in an upper room, waiting for this this experience because Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem till you've been immersed, till you've been clothed with power from on high. Before you go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world, you got to be clothed with this power from on high. So they're waiting and they're praying and they're, they're in unity and they're studying God's word and they're, and they're worshiping together. Look at verse 1, Acts 2, in the day 
of Pentecost came and Penta 50, 50 days. The feast of Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. And here it is, 50 days after the Passover. They're all together in one place. Look at verse two, suddenly. I love that word, suddenly. Would you say that with me, suddenly? One, two, three, suddenly. There's a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Now, for those of you who love the King James Version, it says a mighty rushing wind. And they hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind that came from heaven, right from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 2018, you might remember that. It was a Friday night in September and a tornado hit Ottawa. Oh yeah, we remember. Evelyn and I are off on Friday and we're following the weather forecast and we heard a tornado might happen in the air. And we thought, it's not gonna happen around our house. And you all know that it ripped right by our church and took down roofs and knocked down things, did lots of damage. Because wind will remove things that aren't properly or greatly tied down. Wind will remove stuff. And I've learned that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing wind that removes things in your life that God never wanted, their anger. God removes jealousy. He moves and removes bondages that are in your life. You need to hear me today, friends. The baptism in the Holy Spirit could very well be the key to the freedom of the bondage that you're in. One of my mentors who's now in heaven is David Wilkerson. It was in the 1950s that David, and a sons of God preacher in a small town in Pennsylvania, God called him to go to the, the streets of, 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 of New York City and reach out to the gang members. And he went there. Oh, yeah. And he started sharing Jesus with these drug addicts and these prostitutes and people marked with great bondage. And he actually started a ministry called Teen Challenge. You've probably heard of Teen Challenge. There's Teen Challenges all around the world. And there's one right outside of the city of Ottawa in the Renfrew area. And David Wilkerson taught that one of the greatest things he needed to do, first of all, get these people saved. He'd lead them to Jesus. Get them baptized in water. And then he always made sure that they experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because David knew that when the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit moves in your life, Holy Spirit will remove those bondages that are blocking you and holding you back. And I just prophetically declare to you that God wants to release a fresh wind of Holy Spirit to remove those bondages and those blockages that are holding you back. Could it be one of the reasons why you are struggling today is because you've not yet experienced a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray you'll get baptized again today because Holy Spirit wants to come on you and remove those things and those areas in your life. But then there's number seven. God wants to set on fire. <laughs> okay, let me be careful. Not a physical fire, a spiritual fire. God wants to set on fire you and me so we'll be bold and courageous to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But not just that. So that we would step out in faith so that he would work through us healing and changing lives. Remember, tongues is the initial evidence. It's the physical evidence. Tongues is a prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing that comes on you for a prophetic declaration and a prophetic ministry. 
And when, the Holy, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't just get this prayer language, which is powerful, and we need it, right? And, and you also get that empowering so you can be a bold witness, but it helps God to use you in a greater way, and, and it removes those things in your life that shouldn't be there, but you get set on fire for God. I don't know about you, but we need to be set on fire for God. I pray God set this church, Woodville, spiritually on fire. Set this pastor spiritually on fire. Let's look at Acts 2, verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Every single one of them, of the 120 in the upper room, a great big tongue of fire, this great big flame came down and separated. And there was fire for each of them. And I, I declare that there's a fire of God for each and every one. And I believe wherever you are, in Ottawa, across Canada, around the world, God wants to set you on fire for Jesus. I pray, God, that you would set this church, Woodville, on fire. You ever seen a fire? When a fire is burning, everybody races to the fire. Everyone wants to see the fire. I pray God would set this church so on fire spiritually that people from the north, the south, and the east, and the west would flock to this building. I believe the best days of this church are yet to come. I honestly believe God is about to send a mighty revival, and this building can't contain what God wants to do. Then there's number eight. I think you're going to learn something in number eight. I couldn't wait to share number eight. The baptism in the Spirit gives us the ministry of utterance. Would you say that word utterance with me? It, it's an interesting word. One, two, three, utterance. Now let's look at Acts chapter two, verse four. There's 120 sitting in the upper room, waiting, praying. Holy Spirit blows in like a mighty rushing wind, right? And, and there's this tongue of fire that comes and rests and separates upon each of them. Now look at verse four, all of them, all the 120, including Jesus' mother, Mary, the disciples, Jesus' brother, all there, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were clothed with that power from on high. All of them were covered with Holy Spirit, protected with Holy Spirit, and empowered with Holy Spirit. How did they know they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I actually love the King James Version on this because I think the King James is a little closer here to the original in this verse. Because it actually says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance. I started to study that word utterance in the ancient Greek language. and It actually means three things. Write this down somewhere. You're going to want to hear this. It means to speak loudly. Number one, speak loudly. Friends, if there's ever been a day for the church to speak loudly, this is the day. This isn't the time for the church to be silent. This isn't the time for the church to have a muzzle on them and be quiet. May the sleeping giant called the church awaken and loudly, come on church, loudly proclaim Jesus. So utterance means to speak loudly, but number two, not just speak loudly, boldly, bold courage. You see, when you get clothed with power from on high, you get a supernatural courage. You get a supernatural boldness. The ordinary you gets a touch of the extraordinary Holy Spirit. The natural you gets the supernatural. So it means to speak one loudly, two boldly, but I, I love number three, speak clearly. 
Oh, if there's ever a day for the church that needs to be the clear voice in the nation of Canada and around the world, today is the day. The hope for Canada and the hope for the world is Jesus. Church, I'll tell you why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because the church needs to speak loudly and boldly, courageously and clearly. You ever wondered what the 120 were saying? Well, when you read Acts chapter 2, the glossolalia language was an unlearned language, but they were actually speaking unlearned earthly languages. And it's the day of Pentecost. It's the feast of Pentecost. And all these believers, all these people, or all these religious people showing up in Jerusalem from all different language groups. Look at verse 11, Acts chapter 2. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So these 120 started to speak all the languages that they had not learned from all the people who had come from different parts of the known world to Jerusalem. It'd be like me speaking Italian. I don't know Italian. Me speaking Spanish. I don't know Spanish. Me speaking Arabic. I don't know Arabic. And they're all speaking an unlearned language of a language of someone who was there. But what, what did they say? Look at, look at Acts 2 verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God, the wonders of God. Underline the word wonders. I studied the word wonders, and it means the splendor of God. It means the greatness of God. It means the, the grandness of God. It means the might of God. So when we speak in tongues, we're speaking the grandness, the greatness, the splendor of God. We're speaking about our God. Let's look at Acts 2, verse 14, because that same Greek word utterance is actually used again. It's used in Acts 2, 4. They spoke in other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke loudly, boldly, clearly. In Acts 2, 14, Peter, newly baptized in the Holy Spirit, went from sitting to standing. Look at verse 14. He stood up with the 11, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Underline the word addressed. In the King James Version, it says he uttered to the crowd. Uttered. There, there's the word. He boldly, courageously, and clearly spoke to all those thousands of people that came into Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And he's now clothed with power from on high. He's covered. He's protected. He's empowered. And, and it says here, he spoke, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I said. And Peter speaks this God-inspired sermon that he didn't pen Holy Spirit on the spot downloaded to him and reminding him of all the scriptures that he had read in the past. And he's just speaking it out. And he's just preaching this powerful message. And 3,000 people got saved. Friends, it's a powerful moment. Now, the word utterance is used one more time in Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26... Paul, wherever Paul went, there's either a revival or a riot. Oh, I'm telling you. And so Paul is just sharing his testimony, what God has done in his life before King Agrippa and, and Festus. And he's just laying it out. And he's just speaking prophetically and powerfully. And this guy Festus, right in the middle of his sermon, stops him. Can you imagine that? He's preaching and they say, ah, you're insane. You're insane. You don't know what you're talking about. Look at verse 25. Under the unction of Holy Spirit, Paul said, I'm not insane. Most excellent Festus. He's respectful. Paul replied. Now, when it says replied, it actually means Paul uttered. Uttered. He spoke boldly, loudly, and clearly. What I'm saying is true. 
and reasonable. You see, friends, we need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit so the church, you and I, can speak loudly and clearly and boldly. Oh, by the way, sometimes we think what happened on the day of Pentecost was just out of the blue. Not the case. I can give you a whole bunch of Old Testament scriptures, but let me give you just two. In Numbers chapter 11, you can read it. Moses asked for the Holy Spirit. We learned that the Holy Spirit that was on Moses came upon the 70 elders, and they began to prophesy. The Spirit that was on Moses then went on the 70 elders. Now, I also want you to write down 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1. 1 Chronicles 25, verse 1, where David literally set apart some people for the ministry of utterance. So what happened in Acts chapter 2 wasn't out of the blue. These disciples had heard and read And now they experience the spirit who's in them, now being the spirit that came upon them. Number nine, being clothed with power of the Holy Spirit is an act of accreditation. That's right. It's an act of accreditation. When I was in Bible college, way back in the days of Noah and Abraham and Isaac, it was a lot of years ago. It was the early 1980s. The Bible college in those days was walking through its journey of accreditation so that the degree program would be recognized authorized and validated as a recognized authorized school giving a bachelor's degree and, and they got accredited. Now there's a verse in Acts 2:22 in Peter's sermon that he preached under the unction of Holy Spirit that many people miss. Look at verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you. Jesus was authorized by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you, underline that, among you, and through him, as you yourselves know, that's a key verse. You might have forgotten that when Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And Jesus, the Son of God, when he ministered on earth, ministered with the Holy Spirit on him, friends. If Jesus had to minister with the Holy Spirit on him, how many people know we need to have the Holy Spirit on us? And the signs and the wonders and the miracles that God did through Jesus as the Holy Spirit was on him as he walked on earth was the accreditation. It was the validation. And I'm here to declare to you that the clothing of the power from on high is the accreditation of the Spirit that's on us. Now, I I couldn't wait to share number 10. I'm going to wrap up this message And I want to take it to number 10. Write it down. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not a destination. It's not like, whoa, I've arrived. I've got the best of the best. No, no. It's a gateway or a doorway to the supernatural. You see, church, God wants you and I who are natural to have a touch of the supernatural. God wants you and I who are the ordinary to have a touch of the extraordinary as we're clothed with power from on high. And on the heels of Acts chapter 2 is Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, newly baptized in the Holy Spirit, they go to the temple on the day of prayer and they're walking in. And it was common to have someone begging there for money. And there's a guy who's lame. He's crippled. He's 40 years of age. And he'd been like this since birth. And every day he had gone there begging. Someone had set him there. And he's begging for money. Alms for the poor. And Peter and John looked down. And they said, silver and gold 
I don't have. They were just poor fishermen. I don't have any money, but what I have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Church, I'll tell you what we have. We may not have lots of money, but we've got the anointing of Jesus. And here's Peter and John stepping into the supernatural. The moment he said that, that, that crippled guy got up and he started to walk and he starts dancing and he's holding on to Peter and John. Look at, look at Acts 3 verse 12. When Peter saw this, everyone's astonished. He said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit that's covering us and protecting us and empowering us. Church, one of the amazing, powerful things about being baptized in the Holy Spirit is it's the doorway to the supernatural. I believe in these last days, God wants to release an outpouring of Holy Spirit. And I believe he wants you and me, all of us, to be used in the supernatural. I've been praying in my personal life that God would move me as your pastor in a deeper dimension of the supernatural. I've been praying that for you, that we would lay our hands upon the sick, that people with cancer in their body would be divinely healed on the spot. Come on, come on. Somebody say amen in the chats today. That we would lay our hands upon the sick and someone with a curvature back would be straightened right on the moment in the name of Jesus. That people would come into this church in wheelchairs and we'd lay our hands on them, we'd pray for them. And they would walk in with a wheelchair, but they would walk out without their wheelchair because King Jesus had healed them and, and, and put them on their feet. And they are totally healed in the name of the Lord. I'll tell you, friends, when we're clothed with power from on high, we step into the dimension of the supernatural. And I'm telling you, friends, mighty revival can flow as a church walks in the dimension of the supernatural. Now, this freaked out the leaders of that day. They're like, what is going on? And so they haul in Peter and John. Now, I didn't put this scripture on the screen, but in Acts chapter 3, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, I mean, Holy Spirit's all over him. The Holy Spirit's around him, over him, in him. He's soaked, he's saturated, he's clothed. And the anointing of God's all over him, and he starts preaching. And he starts declaring, and they didn't know how to handle it. But look at Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they saw the courage, they saw the boldness, and they realized they were just unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Church, when you hang out with Jesus, and you praise him, and you worship him, Holy Spirit's going to come on you. In just a couple of moments, I'm going to invite you just to seek Jesus, pray to Jesus, and open your heart to him. And then Jesus, the baptizer, is going to come upon you. You're going to be baptized in Holy Spirit. And they saw Peter and John, and they saw the courage. And they said, these guys have been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 18 down to verse 20, they kicked Peter and John out. They had their little talk, and they said, I don't know what to do. All I know is we need to shut these guys down. We need to put a muscle on them. So look at verse 18. They called them back in again, and they commanded, they commanded them. <laughs> they told them to don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I, I got to tell you, I wonder if the day will come, if the day will come that authorities will say to the church, don't declare the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to declare to you, what did Peter and John do? It's the very same thing we should do. Look at verse 19. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? 
You be the judges. Verse 20, as for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Nobody could shut Peter and John up. Why? Because they're clothed with power and high. Why? The anointing of God is all over them. Why? Because they're, they're in the ministry of utterance. And there's an anointing of God on, on them. And they're speaking loudly and boldly and clearly. Church, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. May no one put a muzzle on us. May we speak loudly and boldly. For Jesus, come on, come on, somebody say, amen. I want to close with this. So they release Peter and John, and Peter and John go back to the disciples, and what do they do? They have a prayer meeting. Oh, yeah. Let me read verse 29 down to verse 31. Now, no, Lord, they're calling out to God. Consider their threats. But would you enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness? And that's my prayer. God, give us a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit that we would speak boldly about you. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, don't just baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Don't just give us a new prayer language. Don't just empower us. Help us to step into the dimension of the supernatural. So the prayer meeting ends, verse 31, after they prayed, I love this, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But now they're baptized in the Holy Spirit again. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Woodvale, we need a fresh Pentecost. Wherever you are right now in these final moments, I want to invite you to stand if you would. Get off the chair. Get off your couch. If you're sitting on the floor, you're sitting on your lawn chair, stand right now. And the first thing I want to ask you as you're standing, and whether you're here in Ottawa or somewhere across Canada or around the world, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. I can't bring this service to a close without asking you, are you ready? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you said yes to Jesus? If you've never done that, I want to lead you in this prayer, and I want you to join me as I pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. Today I say yes to Jesus. I make my peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe there's people watching right now that you gave your heart to Jesus. You made the best decision of your life. And if you've done that, I want you to reach out to us. Let us know that you accepted Christ in your life. Go to our church website, sign up for our virtual online follow class that will help you in your new faith journey. Take the next step, get baptized in water. Go to our church website, sign up for our water baptismal class. We can't wait to baptize you in water because Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water and it was also his example. But if you're watching today and you still have lots of questions about Christianity, sign up for Alpha. Alpha will answer your questions. But everyone watching right now, I, I just want to pray that Jesus would freshly baptize you and me in the Holy Spirit. And I want you just right now, just lift your hands wherever you are. Could you do that? Just lift your hands right now. Just open your heart to this. Some of you are watching right now and you're like, Mark, I don't get all of this. I don't understand all of this yet. Thank you for the teaching. It's making more sense. And I'm standing here on the auditorium. There's 11 o'clock service and there's lights above me. And I honestly have no clue how electricity works. I, I have no clue. But even though I don't understand how this electricity works, I, I still live in the lights. 
we still turn on the lights. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, 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 a, is, is a whole bunch of faith. It's a leap of faith. You've got this understanding, but it's a leap of faith that you can trust Jesus to baptize you. He wants to clothe you with power from on high. Church, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need it. I, you need that prayer language because there's times you don't know how to pray. And Holy Spirit begins to pray through you. And in that heavenly language, pray in the will of the Father. And we need that empowering work of Holy Spirit so we can reach this city, reach this nation, reach this world. And we need to step into the gateway of the supernatural. Honestly, church, I'm honestly praying that God would take you and I as a church called Woodfell into a deeper dimension of the supernatural. Amen. So just lift your hands. I want to pray. Just lift your hands right now. Jesus, would you baptize us in the Holy Spirit? God, there's people watching right now. They've not yet had that experience. Would you baptize them right now in the Holy Spirit? God, as we reach out, I pray that you would reach down and you would immerse them. You would soak them. You would pour it out. You would saturate them. You would clothe them with power from on high. I pray right now that they would be baptized. And God, as they just praise you wherever they are, as they start to praise you in English, that Jesus, you would baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and they would know that they're baptized as they receive the sign speaking in tongues, that Jesus, they would begin right now to speak in that heavenly language. That Jesus, right now, wherever they are, that you would baptize each one in the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would freshly baptize those that are already baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let it not just be a one-time event. God, just like in Acts chapter 4, they were baptized again. Immerse us freshly in the Holy Spirit. I pray it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And now, God, I pray that you would take us as a church into a greater dimension of the anointing and the supernatural. I pray, God, that we would lay our hands on the sick and the sick would be healed. I pray, God, that people who have got bondages and, and habits that need to be broken, that Jesus, the mighty rushing wind of Holy Spirit, would blow in and set them free right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray it. Would you say with me, amen. Amen. Well, Woodville family, Evelyn and I love you. We are so convinced. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for the book of Acts. It's for today. And it's part of your initiation in your Christian experience. Because in the book of Acts, they got saved. They got baptized in water. And they experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need it. You need it. The Holy Spirit who indwells you now wants to empower you. I want to close with these two stories. My friend Bruce, you wouldn't know Bruce. He was in another church in another city that we pastored years ago. And he sat through the teaching on baptism of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning and went home and had lunch with his wife, went up to his room and sat in his chair and looked over the notes and thought, well, well, pastor poured out these teaching and God, if this is real, and I believe it is, would you just baptize me right now and right in his home? After lunch on a Sunday morning, he got gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's another lady that was in a church where we pastored today. She's a pastor's wife in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And I'll never forget the Sunday night service. She was in the back row of the church and she got saved. Oh, I saw her got saved. My goodness, did she get saved. Within one minute after she got saved, she got gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was powerful. You see, friends... Salvation gets you to heaven. 
Baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't get you to heaven, but baptism of the Holy Spirit helps you to declare Jesus to come into the lives of other people so they can go to heaven. We need a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit. If we're going to reach this city, this nation, this world, God, send the mighty rushing wind and set us on fire. I want you to join us tonight, 6 o'clock, for our monthly all-church prayer. It's Pentecost Sunday. you got to go on the church website and register for it, and you'll receive the Zoom link from our home. Evelyn and I will be hosting it tonight live. Pastor Brad from his home will be leading us in worship, and we're going to have a Pentecostal prayer night tonight at 6 o'clock. And join us 6 to 7. Would you join us? It's going to be powerful. And join us Wednesday night for the Q&A for the building expansion. We're, we're excited about this, the proposed building expansion renovations. We believe that God is leading us to get ready for the revival that he's about to send. And we want to answer your questions and a few other things we want to share. And if you're a member, please make sure you register for that special business meeting in June. We want as many of our members to be part of that vote. Well, Evelyn, I love you so, so much. We miss you. And I'm just waving to you right now. Wave back to me. I can't wait till we can worship back on site so we can see you personally. And I'm standing here live on the platform speaking through a camera. But the day is going to come that we'll be back here in this auditorium. And I could see this place filled to capacity again. Multiple times over. But as I close, I feel the Lord saying to me that this altar space is going to be jam-packed on Sundays. And Jesus is going to do the supernatural in great and mighty ways. He's going to set the fire over this place. So be open to the teaching and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We love you. May you have a great day. We look forward to seeing you tonight. Have a great week. God bless each one of you. Bye for now.